because I, I honestly and truly don't believe that people understand, one, that marketing has fundamentally changed, and two, that you have to reinvest in your business. And by putting an abstract, very bizarre percentage on, uh, on what you should spend on marketing is a really big detriment to you becoming you know, the best you can be in business. Does talking about your money make you cringe? Are you tired of fighting about finances? Do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is a wealth psychology expert who is doing what she does best, speaking about taboo topics. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. Over the past decade, she has empowered thousands of people to break money silence at home and at work. Now, here is Kathleen. I am thrilled to have Matt Holleran on the podcast today. He's the CEO. He's also a podcasting guru, and he is the founder and owner of Top Advisor Marketing. I met Matt just a little while ago, but we have been fans of each other's work for a long time. And so I just want to welcome you, Matt, to the podcast, and I look forward to busting a money myth open today with you. So welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm super excited about being here. Yeah. And so tell me a little bit about the myth that you want to bust open today. So the myth myth that I'd like to bust open today is that you need to spend 7% of your gross not net on marketing to grow your business. And so before we get into, obviously you think that's a myth, but before we get into why you think it's a myth, what kind of motivated you to pick that to discuss today? Because I, I honestly and truly don't believe that people understand, one, that marketing has fundamentally changed, and two, that you have to reinvest in your business. And by putting an abstract, very bizarre percentage on, uh, on what you should spend on marketing is a really big detriment to you becoming you know, the best you can be in business. So I'm curious, where did this rule of thumb come from? Do you know? I do, actually. Um, So Moss Adams, which is a huge accounting firm, puts out a report every single solitary year in many different um, professional avenues, uh, financial services professionals, estate planning attorneys, CPAs, and a couple of other ones. And and there was a a common 7% number that those professionals, so people who provide advice for a living, Kathleen, they only spend 7% of their gross not net on marketing. Wow. So, you know, one of the things I've always loved about my job is I have always loved the marketing component. And I know for a lot of people who are speakers and writers and consultants and and financial advisors and, and related service professionals, they tend to not like marketing at all. And so 7% and having that rule um, almost reinforces that it's not that important. Would you agree? I, I absolutely do. Uh, and I think that a lot of people I don't understand that there's such a fundamental difference between marketing and sales. And so they're going to spend all of their money on sales, not on everything that leads up to the sale. Okay. So Matt, define each. So everybody who's listening in is very clear about the difference. So so marketing is dating, right? And so that's that's the way that that I talk about it all, all the time on, on our podcast and with my clients and in my network. 
it, you have to date people, right? And, and you have to date in, in a much more passive way than we used to with marketing. Uh, you know, everybody used to watch the six o'clock, five o'clock news, and then Crazy Larry would be on, you know, every commercial break screaming at you about his used cars, right? Uh, that doesn't work anymore. Uh, you have to be omnipresent and ever-present. And my, uh, my first book, The Social Media Handbook for Financial Advisors, the opening of the book is marketing and communication has fundamentally changed. You have to communicate to your clients and prospects in the medium in which they are th they are on when they're there. And we also know, Kathleen, that you have to have your message seen 10 times before somebody will think about taking action just to click on it. And so, so that's marketing. So that's the dating. So that's those 10 times up until that click. And then after that click, because everything is clicks nowadays, right? After that click, you also have to continue to date that person. You don't walk up to a person on the street, shake their hand, and kiss them. No, you're going to get smacked. <laughs> Nowadays, right? you'd really be in trouble for that. You'd Matt. be in a whole bunch of trouble, right? Uh, well, I mean, you know, they probably should have been in trouble for doing that all the time. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, but there, there is the, the tolerance for that level of, of, of aggressive sales uh, has gone down. So the sale, defining the sale, is the process which is generally one to four meetings between presenting really truly what you offer to the client and them saying yes or no. So one is the relationship sale, and that's about four meetings on average, right? And then the other is marketing, which is dating, which is a total side note, but I always hated dating, but I love marketing. So anyway, that's <laughs> enough about me. Back to you. But so basically, um, 10 touches is a lot. You know, yeah. I can remember, I don't know, was there something out there in the past that it was seven, six or seven? Yeah. So 10 is a lot. And and knowing that because I have a whole social media team and, yep. um, you know, they really helped me with this to have to do it 10 times and then to be on the medium, whatever it is, at the right time when they click, that is a lot of hits and misses. Potentially. Oh, yeah. yeah, you're absolutely right. It's a huge amount of hit or misses. And the, the other piece is, it was seven, right? So that was, it was probably about 24 months ago, social media consulting firms, like huge ones like, like HubSpot and Hootsuite and Sprout Social and the Social Media Examiner, that's where they came out. And then when they updated it, they weren't prepared for it to go up by three. They're like, but the problem, Kathleen, is noise. Yeah, a lot of noise. Right? Yeah. A lot of noise. So, so how much should people invest in marketing? And, you know, full disclaimer, you were in marketing, um, sure. but you have the expertise to know what it takes. And, and just so people know who are listening in, Matt also works with other business owners. So this isn't just about financial advising companies. This is about different types of uh, businesses. So in your opinion, what's the magic number or even is there a magic number? Boy, I really wish I could tell you there was a magic number. I think there's a magic range. All right. So I recently met with a company in Minnesota, a huge, huge, um, complete financial services. So they do estate planning attorney or estate planning stuff. They do CPA work and they do financial advice and insurance. So they do all four. Uh, they spend 35% of their gross, not net on, on marketing. Wow. Now, I, I, they have also grown by one satellite location every six months for the past three years. So they realize that they're going to put in a lot of effort on the front end and they're not going to be as profitable. They're not going to be taking as many profits as owners, 
because they're reinvesting in the business. And, and when I was talking to uh, three out of the five partners, one of them said, Matt, if we could spend 50%, we would. And I just, I mean, of course, I had a huge smile on my face. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I was about to like, say, yeah, boy, you know, that's a good client. Um, I really do believe that 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 fifteen percent is a very, very good number, especially if you. So, your listeners who provide advice for a living and maybe provide a service, right? They should be spending about fifteen percent of their gross in between gross and net. Remember, gross is just you know receipts coming in, money coming in before you take anything out. That's where that's where your numbers should be. And what type of marketing activities should somebody be investing in? Well, it really depends on what you offer. So, uh, but I'm going to heavily rely on digital marketing. I do believe that there is huge benefit to networking. So, a part of your budget needs to be networking, whether that's a, a BNI group. Uh, Latip group, uh, you know, uh, what are the, like Rotary, Optimus Club, any of those things, I highly recommend. If you don't have that already built in, that's that's. There's nothing ever going to replace face to face, shaking hands, looking somebody in the eye, right? But you know, Kathleen, I've known you for five to seven years, probably, yeah. and this is the second time I've had a conversation with you. I've never met you in person and I already trust you and have for a long time because of your social proof. I trust who you are and what you do and refer people to your stuff because of that, right? So the power of digital is still unbelievably strong, but but uh, it really does depend on, on what you do. So, so I'll give you a couple of very quick examples. Let's say you're a hairstylist, okay? You should be on Instagram. You should be on Pinterest. And you should be on Snapchat. All the visual Maybe. medias? All digital medias. Oh, visual. visual. Excuse me. Visual, I said visual. Yes, visual. Yes. yes, ma'am. Okay. So, and the reason why is because the majority of people who are going to want to engage in your services are going to want to see an example of your services. Same things with realtors, house stagers. Um, but then you flip you flip the coin, and then if you're an estate planning attorney, I'm not going to show you sample documents, right? Dear God, I'm not going to do that because it bore everybody. But I should really be hitting LinkedIn really, really hard, and I should also be hitting Facebook because the fastest growing demographic on Facebook is ages 65, women ages 65 and above. So what about the naysayers that say, you know what, I've built my business, then I haven't spent all that on digital marketing? Well, it's true. It's true. But if they would have used a very efficient tool, they would be so much bigger, so much stronger, so much more influential in their community. I actually had a girlfriend say to me last week, uh, and she's in a very similar profession as, as myself, she said <laughs> that she thought social media was a fad. And then she started laughing. She goes, so I'm five years behind <laughs> because I was waiting for it to um, just go away. It's so not. It's only getting more and more <laughs> robust. Uh, you know, LinkedIn wants to be at 2.5 billion users within the next three years, which would be about the size of Facebook. Facebook is larger than most countries. 
which is scary in a whole nother podcast we should do uh, about <laughs> Facebook and, and my feelings about Facebook, as my social media team knows. I am there. I'm, I'm more on Instagram and I'm, I'm on Facebook personally uh, because my nieces and nephews won't talk to me any other way. So That's right. uh, you get to talk about reaching a demographic, right? They're millennials. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to get back to the networking part, you know, I personally have never really thought, oh, you know, when I go to a networking meeting, that's part of my marketing budget. And I know when I say that out loud, I kind of giggle, but I guess I, I had a very narrow definition of marketing. So so is there anything else in there that I should be kid- considering? So there's the digital piece and all the social, and there's the networking. What else would you put in that bucket of marketing? I would put two other things in there. One would be event-driven marketing. So that would be... Um, wooing your centers of influence and your top clients, right? I am not a huge fan of people who demand that you bring a referral to an event. I think that's a little pushy and aggressive. Again, we're dating, right? Uh, but if you're a, a, a huge fan, of, so for instance, and I'm going to nerd out for for a minute, um, I love Comic-Cons. Like I have teenage boys and I love going to these things. I mean, we we do the whole nine yards. I I have talked about networking at those events because we're a tribe, right? So Kathleen, that's that's the whole goal. That's where marketing has moved to. You are going to be able to have the opportunity by being omnipresent, not just digitally, but also with networking and then also doing event-driven things. And then of course, podcasting. I'm going to talk about that in just a second. But having people around you who like you and who you have things in common with fills that third leg of that stool, which is no like, and trust, right? People are going to trust you if you can wax philosophical about comic books or about running or fishing or hiking or boating or flying or cars or whatever, uh, cigars, liquor. You know, people want to hang out with people who, and they don't want to just have a cursory conversation. They want to go deep. So that's interesting. I mean, first of all, my nephew is a big Comic-Con, one of my nephews. So I'll have to let you know when, who he's dressed as in the next time you guys are at an event. And uh, his wife is also into it as well. So I uh, mm-hmm. am one degree of separation from that tribe. There you go. And uh, also, you know, it's, I mean, I think one of the things as a business owner that I sit here and I hear you and I'm like, yes, Matt, I totally agree with everything you're saying. And then I get back to my office. I happen to be fortunate that I have a great virtual team. Some people are by themselves. Some people have bigger teams, but then you get overwhelmed and it's like, oh, there's so much I could do. And oh, by the way, I also have to do sales and I have to make sure that I have revenue coming in. And do you have any thoughts about how people can balance that? Uh, well, I, I was a business coach and consultant for for a really long time until I, I started up this this new marketing company. And well, we used to talk about that all the time, Kathleen. I mean, it was it was that's the biggest frustration. We called it shiny object syndrome, right? They go to a conference, they hear something really great, and then they would do it for a week, and then they would get busy with with life. the The problem is, in order to be successful in life, there's five things that you can give up: time, talents, treasures, relationships, and control. That's it. So. No matter what you want, if you want to make a million dollars in your business, you have to be willing to give up one, if not multiple of those five things. And what I've found is the biggest things that people are afraid to give up is money and control, okay? So when you get back to your office and you have to deal with all of the stuff that you have to deal with, the best advice that I can give is look at, you have to make a task list, like you do it for about two weeks, what you do every single solitary day. And then you need to value your time more effectively. 
like Kathleen, you're, you know, let's say you're worth $300 an hour, $500 an hour. If you're doing things that you could outsource, and I know you have a virtual team, we do too. We're an entirely virtual company, just like you. I outsource that stuff to people who I still, by the way, pay very, very well, but who are a fraction of the cost of my time because that's what I've hired them for. So there's that whole control and money aspect. And I believe that if you give up one of those five things, two of those five things, or three of those five things early enough that you will see within three to six months that paying you back exponentially and you can have the time freed up in order to not just make the money that you want and make the impact, but I mean, Kathleen, we're only on this spinning marble for a short period of time. Why are we working so darn hard? Right. No, I completely agree. And I know for me, early on in my career as an entrepreneur, it was first it was hard to let go of the money. Then I did a little of my own uh, money psychology work and obviously uh, founded a whole profession for myself and uh, was able to invest in my business in a different way. And then the next piece was the control of, you know, the hardest part, it sounds silly now because I haven't managed my own schedule in a really long time, was letting go of my calendar. And the amount of time I would waste, because I'm a planner and I like, you know, calendar appointments, as geeky as that sounds, uh, but the amount of time that I save by having my assistant, Kyle, who's phenomenal, I mean, she's much more than an assistant, she does much more than my schedule, do that is unbelievable. So you're right, you start, once you let go, you start to see uh, the results. But what I find, and, and let me ask you a question here, if you notice this, I notice a little bit of a gender difference in terms of women and men and investing in their company. Now, I know I might get, you know, unhappy emails as a result of just, you know, saying that with a broad brush that women entrepreneurs, I find at least initially, seem to have a lot of trouble investing in their business and letting letting go of complete control. And maybe that happens with men as well. Um, but in your experience, having worked with so many people, Matt, do you think there's a gender difference there? That's funny that you say that. I, I guess I've never really broken that down uh, as much as I should. I would actually say that, in my opinion, it would be the opposite. The the networking organizations that I've been in, specifically women out uh, outperformed men or, or out uh, invested in men, over. I mean, I just, I was yesterday, I spoke at a, a a local networking event in a small town nearby for a friend of mine. And there were two guys in the room of 30. So I think that men, because of the ridiculous ego stuff that we're, we're raised with have more of an issue rescinding control throughout their career until they find their Kyle. Right. So I, we have a Lisa and a Robin. So those are my two people who I could hand to anything to and feel very, very confident that, that they're, they're probably going to do it better than I would. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But investing in that, what I refer to as a number two, and that's not my thought leadership. Somebody else said that a long time ago. Until you have that number two and you realize that there's another person who's as invested in your business as you are that's when everything changes. That's when you can shift your money to marketing. That's when you can feel very comfortable giving up your time, treasures, control, relation. I mean, any of those sorts of things because you have that support in place. But that support person is not easy to find and you have to pay them really well. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's interesting. That, that's a myth I might explore uh, in a future podcast about the difference between men and women and entrepreneurs and how much they will invest. I mean, that could be my own stereotype. That could be my own mm-hmm. experience. Uh, and it could be much less about gender and much more about how strategic are you as a business owner or what stage are you in your business growth. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I really appreciate your insights on that. You know, today we're talking with uh, Matt Holleran, and he is the CEO and podcasting guru. Uh, he is the uh, founder of Top Advise in Marketing, and we have been busting open this myth that somehow there's this magic 7% that you're supposed to spend on marketing, and that 7% of your gross income should be spent on marketing to be successful. And so, Matt, if you had to shift that, because that's a myth that you're busting wide open, what would you say the new statement should be or the new mantra to replace that myth? I I really do think that you should be setting aside every time you get a check from any business, from any business transaction, sale, or anything, 15% of that money Before it goes anywhere, you need to chuck that into a separate account and start building up your marketing chest. So the new number is 15% or up. I really appreciate your insights. There's so much more we could talk about. And I feel like, you know, I know why I keep my podcast short, but I also feel frustrated when we have these great conversations that we have to end so soon. Um, But I want people uh, to know two things. Matt and I are going to continue chatting. So there may be more in the future uh, that you can listen into. And number two, I want Matt to say a little bit about your company, how people can find out more about you. And if you have anything new and interesting that our our listeners might be uh, curious to know about. Sure. Well, and thank you for that, Kathleen. And, and yeah, I uh, I would love to have an opportunity to to be back on your show, and uh, I want you back on ours. And uh, you know, that's the fun thing about doing what we do. Uh, so, topadvisormarketing.com is our website. If if you provide advice for a living, we have some really amazing solutions to help you become what we refer to as be your own loud. So you're going to see that hashtag starting to pop up more and more. Hashtag be your own loud. You have to be able to rise above the noise of the larger organizations that are within your space. So whether that's, you know, you're uh, an independent financial advisor and there's a huge Ed Jones contingency or an Ameriprise contingency, or you're an estate planning attorney and there's a juggernaut law firm, we help our clients be their own loud, um, rise above the noise, control the message, and build relationships in a passive way. Uh, that's a great way to build trust, which is through our podcasting and our social media program. So topadvisormarketing.com. Um, I would love for people to, to, to go ahead and reach out there. Or you can just email me directly at matt at topadvisorm.com. I'm one of those weird CEOs that still reads every single solitary email that comes in. I'm very disciplined about my email, but um, I love to hear from people and would love to have an opportunity to help any of your listeners. Awesome. Well, I have enjoyed our conversation and I always learn something. And so I know our listeners did as well. So thank you so much, Matt, for breaking money silence with me today. Thank you for having me, Kathleen. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave a review. Also, share this episode with your friends and family. It is a great way to get the conversation started. For more money talk tips and information, or to hire Kathleen to speak at your next event, go to www.breakingmoneysilence.com.